everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Alrighty, everybody. My guest this week is Natasha from Purpose and Chai. Like I mentioned last week, Natasha and I have been doing Instagram lives every Sunday night at around 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. We might even switch it over to TikTok. Um, And I also mentioned she would be back on the show. So that is this week's episode. Um, It is a different kind of episode. If you've listened to when I have um, podcasters on, it's more in that realm of like chatty, catching up with life, you know, touching on some South Asian topics and some not so South Asian topics. The thing about this show is that we can cover a lot of really heavy topics. And quite frankly, for my own mental health, I like to mix it up with more fun and lighthearted episodes like this one, where it's more of a breezy listen than something where I'm like trying to hold back tears because sometimes I record and I'm literally just trying to keep it together. Um, and I think there's value in both episodes styles like that there's something where you can get into the nitty gritty and then there's something where you can just laugh along the way. Um, Hopefully this one is a laugh along the way episode. I have been lucky enough to become friends with so many other podcasters and people who have been guests on the show that have just become people I can text and be friends with. And Natasha is one of them. She is awesome. And this was a really fun conversation in a very different way that I hope you guys enjoy it and hopefully the internet does not come for me. So without further ado, here's Natasha Kaja. Alrighty, everybody. Hello, we're back with a fan favorite here on But What Will People Say? It's Natasha from Purpose and Chai. Welcome back, girl. Thank you for having me. We've built a rapport, so I can't wait to talk. Yes, we're like like friends now. Yes. So this is going to be those episodes where you could tell I'm friends with my guest. Um, But give us a little life update. Where have you been at these days? Um. Life has kind of been all over the place lately. Um, so my husband and I have just been, um, well, let's see, we had a little emergency with our dog a couple weeks ago. We thought we were going to lose him. So there was that. And there was a lot of, when stuff like that happens, you wish you had more family to lean on, to be honest, but we have each other. So we've been there, um, just trying to slowly get back to content creation. We've been a little under the weather the last few months. So that's kind of just where I'm at, um, trying to do it one one step at a time and do this whole thing called life as best as you can and still pay your bills and drink enough water and get enough sleep, the usual. Yeah, just the basics, right? Yeah. Before we really get into it, for the people who might be new here, give us just a quick roundup of who you are and a little bit about your backstory. So hi, everybody. Um, anybody new? I am Natasha Kwaja. I am at Purpose and Jai across the board on my socials. And I'm Pakistani American. Started my blog a few years ago in hopes of sharing my experiences as a first gen with other people who might relate. And I just wanted to 
talk a little bit about my journey of trying to pursue my dreams of being an actress, which was not accepted by family, and then later on marrying outside of the culture, which was also not accepted by family. And I do so in hopes of letting other people know that they're not alone and that we can build this little community and kind of just support one another because we didn't used to talk about this kind of stuff before. It was so taboo to, as a brown person, be so open and have these conversations, which is why I love connecting with people like you because I think it's it's past due time that we remove that stigma and, and just talk about this stuff and remove the veil and the fear around having these conversations. Yeah, and I think what part of what makes you kind of what I call a fan favorite around here is both of us are sort of these content creators that create discussions around all the things that our community doesn't talk about. Um, and so we have very much an overlap in audience and very, as we have learned over time, somewhat similar personalities where yeah. we are very no-nonsense, like cut yeah. the bullshit, because to some extent, I do get tired of the like constant, like, it's so sad being brown. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, we got to differentiate between like, we are, because I, I have a real hard time with the word like oppressed, because I think lately as like, race has become such a topic in the world again that using the word oppressed to me is so like not the place for brown people to use because mm -hmm. I'm like you know a lot of like there's a lot of social media clout you get when you're like let's like go off the deep end about how we got made fun of for our name or how like our you know kids in school made fun of our food smelling weird I'm like dude, you're not oppressed. Somebody hurt your feelings. Like, there is a very significant difference. Yeah. And I I think you're one of the few creators I can kind of talk to about those things without getting dragged by the internet because some people really like living on the, like, brown people are just, everything is such a struggle. I'm like, we have our own struggles, but usually they're the ones our culture created for ourselves, not the ones that, like, white people did to us. Well, I love that you said that because I have this conversation with my husband all the time, specifically when I do see these type of pieces of content pop up on my feed or whatever. And a lot of it is that we, let's be honest. And I, I look, we weren't, who was going to tell us any different back then, right? Our parents didn't know any better, but a lot of us, generally speaking, were seeking validation from people that did not look like us, that were outside of the culture. And when we didn't get what we thought we wanted, we then oftentimes, and look, I love my, I love my community, but I often get people who like to create purpose around trauma and sadness. And that's why I do create the shit that I do, because I think it's important to show people, you don't have to stay stuck in what's happened to you, no matter like how small, big, medium size it was, you don't need to stay stuck. And you also just don't need to seek other people's validation. Yeah. Okay. Somebody hurt your feelings, right? When we were younger. Tisha, we've all been there. I was I was bullied in high school for having hair on my back. I did but, not create my life's purpose around that. And that right. this, this shit was fucked up. Let me tell you, this shit hurt, right? Because eventually at the end of it, they started physically throwing things at me. This is in a high school auditorium in front of the whole school. Yeah, it hurt. I refuse to let that define me, though. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And that's the difference, right? I'm not saying <clears throat> to minimize those kind of like cornerstone moments in our life that right. stuck out and that we still right. remember. Like right. humans have a negative bias. And yes, 
all those things happen to us, right? Like we all had that teacher that made us feel bad in front of the whole classroom or that kid in school that bullied us or we got made fun of because we didn't speak the language. I have been there. You have been there. Yeah. But like you said, we're not defined by our trauma or I don't even know if I want to call it trauma. I would call right. it like shitty yeah. things that happened to me yeah. that I need to just like get over and get. And the thing is, I feel like I was over it before social media was like, let's talk about it 24-7. And I'm like, I don't know if this is helping. Like, I thought we all just got over it. And like, the thing is, like, it makes you gritty. It makes you resilient. I sound like a broken record, but it's like you grew from it. You became better from it. And you moved on. I've had that challenge, exactly what you said, because sometimes when I'm talking about certain specific subjects in content relation, I'm not actually going through it, but people will think you're currently going through it. I've already dealt with it. I'm on the other side of it. I'm literally like processed it, but I'm sharing it because there might be somebody who can relate. But then, you know, oftentimes you'll get the whole people try to like give advice. People try to like think that this is currently you and it's not. And so sometimes I'm so conflicted on how to even share certain things because I'm not there anymore. And specifically, even with this whole, um, like being, um, disowned or ostracized or whatever, I've processed it a long time ago and I will want to talk about it, but people will then think that this is something that you're currently experiencing. And so I completely understand what you mean because it's also become cool. So I, I jumped on TikTok more recently and I noticed that it's like cool, but it's weird where people will talk about the worst thing that's ever happened to them and do so in like this weird trendy light. And then they'll want to discuss it in the comments. And uh, sometimes I'm so taken aback by it because it's like, whoa, shouldn't you maybe be talking to somebody like a therapist about this or somebody like in private? Like it, it seems gets like you I'm a invading. lot of attention, though. It gets you so much attention. It's just I'm 34, so this kind of stuff is still new to me because I didn't. We didn't grow up with right. that, right? And I'm I'm glad that things are changing in a way where you don't have to be embarrassed to talk about things, right? Cool, I'm all for that. But sometimes I wonder, like, are you healing by talking about this, or are you just putting a bandaid of likes and comments on top? Yeah, like, are you just getting external validation for the thing you went through? And you're exactly right. You shouldn't be ashamed or feel like you can't talk about the things that have happened to you. I mean, we do, right? We talk about all these things we went through, and that's part of it. But we're not defined by it. It does not control our lives on a day-to-day basis. And it comes from a point of hoping to help people and less from a hoping to, like you said, get likes, comments, shares, and, you know, on TikTok go viral because it's become trendy to be that person that, oh, like, like, almost like be the victim. And I know that sounds like fucked up and it's going to make people mad to say it, but like, Mm -hmm. it's easier to say something bad happened to me and this is how it ruined my life than to say this is something bad that happened to me that grew me maybe a tougher person, a more resilient person. And I now use that as fuel to literally build my life around something better. But that's and I love that you said that because that's been like my overall goal. I don't want sympathy. When I talk about certain things, like I appreciate people caring enough to want to say, hey, I'm thinking of you or I'm praying for you, whatever it may be. But I don't want sympathy because I really want to show that I'm resilient as fuck and I can get through things and so can you. And that's what I try to let be the end all message be for when I put things out. Because 
I'm personally, well, first, I'm a Capricorn. Let's just get that out there. I don't know if people Same. out there believe. Right. And that's why we connected. So I don't know if you believe in that stuff, but let me tell you a little bit about a, like a Capricorn for anybody who's listening who may not know. We're resilient as fuck. And then take Zodiacs out of it even. Guys, if we, okay, yeah, brown people, we have our experiences. We're resilient as fuck. Like, I don't, no matter what I've been through with my parents, my parents were like the shit, the way that they came over here and they were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm an immigrant. I don't speak the best English. How could I not pick up on that energy? How could I not also just Mm -hmm. be like, oh, okay, whatever I'm going through. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's not going to define me. And if you know me in real life, I'm so optimistic to the point where it pisses people off, but that's just how I live my life. I refuse to stay down. And that's what I want more of us to, to show and to be an example of, you know, where, yeah, this happened even with like, okay, let's talk about the whole disownment thing real quick. I I understand how hard it can be for people because sometimes parents never come around. I have one that has never come around. You know, you, it hurts. It breaks your heart. These are people that you've known. You never think that you're going to grow up and not have so-and-so in your life, but you can get through it. I always tell people it was a choice for me. And if I was going to choose that, why would I then drag my husband through like eternal sadness? Because I made a decision based on what other people were saying to me. So yeah, I could talk to you forever about that. Like, yeah. And that's a that's like such a good point to like drag your partner through it, right? Like this is – and I, I used to say this a lot on older episodes of the podcast where it's like it's no one else's job to carry your baggage. They can help you unpack it. They don't have to carry it. Mm-mm. And the thing is, when you're in an interracial relationship, both sides obviously show up with their own baggage. But South Asians in particular come with like this whole other pile of shit, right? Right. And a lot of people are always like, oh, like, do you like, how do you explain all this stuff to Michael? And I literally have to be like, I don't. Mm, I don't explain this shit to Michael. I mean, you know, if there are things where I like need to point out, like this is why I'm like this, yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah. like my financial insecurities and like my inability to spend money or make simple decisions or whatever. But I don't need like this podcast is where I talk about all this shit. Right, my partner, it is not his job to sit here and be dragged down by the culture right. that tore me up so much. A hundred percent. You know, like his job 100%. is to just keep living his best life and hopefully yeah. bring me along for the journey. Yes. And maybe I learned something from him about not giving a shit what other people think. Yes. Because that kid truly does not care. Right. And, you know, I don't try to make him more palatable for brown people just to make them comfortable. 100%. Right. Like you see a lot of this like, Oof. oh, look how quote unquote brown my not brown partner is. And don't get me wrong, it's cute and endearing, right? Like the other day, like we went, I don't know, I think it was like wrapped up in a blanket. I looked at my husband, I was like, what does it feel like to be married to a little dumpling? And he goes, you're not a little dumpling, you're a little pani puri. And he just carries on. And like, it's cute, it's endearing, haha, like whatever. But like, he also, when we go to family gatherings, like people will be like, oh, what's your favorite food? What do you like to eat? And that kid is like steak and potatoes. And my family's all Hindu. They get real weird about the like steak stuff. And I used to like internally cringe, but then I was like, no, that's my husband. This is the man I married. Right. If I don't accept him, you're not going to accept him. So I'm not going to make a weird issue out of it. And I'm not going to try to make him like more brown to make people feel better about it. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I'm cringing as you're talking because I've come across so many co- like pages and content creators who happen to be like one person's Stacey or like 
and more often than not, it'll be the women in the relationship and they like tokenize their partner. And that makes me so uncomfortable. Their whole life and their whole personality and existence is about the fact that they married somebody that is from X, Y, and Z culture. And that makes me so uncomfortable because I'll often even get like messages asking me stuff like that. And I don't know how to, what, what am I supposed to say? Like in terms of, People think that this is what a lot of people think that if you're married to somebody from a different culture, all you do up all day is just sit up in the house talking about how you guys are different. That's not how we live. That's yeah, not. not. Mostly we talk about like, do you want Chipotle today or should we make food at home? Like, right. Literally that. Or did you walk the dog? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got him. You know that. Or listen, are you going to fold these clothes that are sitting behind me? Oh, okay. Normal. Can we like normalize? just the humanity in couples that happen to be in interracial relationships. Cause that's how we see it. You know what I mean? At least in our home, yeah. we're not like constantly like, so what was it like? Because you were, they see in this, that, and the third, we don't have those type of conversations, but look, if you happen to meet somebody that doesn't know shit and they want to know more about it. Okay. Let's have that conversation, but let's not make it our identity. Let's, let's yeah. be more than just, the girl who was disowned from marrying outside the culture, or let's be more than, you know, the girl who happens to be married to somebody from X part of the world. Yeah. And you know what it is? It gets so much attention on socials, right? Like even this podcast, like this is an interracial relationship podcast. My relationship is what created it. And part of it is people want to know about my relationship. And you know, everyone is like, oh, you should make more content with Mike. Like, it'll go viral. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, once in a while, I give into it because, I, you know, I want to grow this show and I want that. I want more people to be reached. And that's the easiest way to do it. Right. But, bro, first of all, I protect my relationship with Absolutely. Michael at all costs. I, for me personally, he's not a social media guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't put him on socials very much at all. And if I do, I usually don't tag him. And I'm never going to get that kid to put on like Indian clothes and show up on my feed and be like, let's do a stupid TikTok dance. I'm like, oh, good Lord. Like, I'm not doing it. Right. And I see so much of it because it gets so much attention. And it's like, like you said, it becomes like this identity thing that you're the girl who married someone not brown. And what I find really funny, and this is going to make me sound like such a hater, but whatever. It's when you see him on TikTok or Reels or whatever, the girl is always always without a doubt wearing indian clothes because guess what sweetie if you did it no one would know you were brown because none of us look stereotypically brown because most people don't actually know what indian looks like because there's such a broad spectrum that if you didn't have indian clothes on no one would know and you would just be like yeah you'd be different cultures but it wouldn't get you the same attention and do you know how many times i've gotten on there and i see somebody whose whole page is about that. They have hundreds of thousands of followers. And I often say to myself, I could never, I couldn't do it. Let's just put it that way. I couldn't do X, Y, and Z or force Sam into certain spaces just so I could grow quicker. I just couldn't do it. It's not, uh, it's not for me. You know, I'm not going to tell Sam. The other thing being too, for anybody who might be listening that doesn't know, my husband is black. I am definitely not about to tell my black husband to fucking be some sort of goddamn token or to force him into Pakistani clothes or taking places where I know as a Pakistani woman, he's not going to be welcome. What the fuck kind of partner would I be if I did some dumb shit like that? Like that would be so like, can you just do it for me? Can I take you in front of the aunties and uncles that are so clearly racist? 
why would I do something like that? How is that love or how is that me showing up in a form of protection, knowing that he's going to be received that way for what? So I can get a picture so I can, yeah. you know, post about it later. Yeah. And, you know, I, I try not to be such like a downer about that stuff because I know for so many girls and women who see this kind of content, it it's a source of almost hope. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've very much gotten the feedback that the my followers and my listeners' favorite content is kind of that lifestyle stuff of just Mike and I doing life. Yeah. And it's not this like weird obsession with Michael. It's more that like there's an other side to this. Well, that all this yes. crap, all this yes. bullshit, at these at the end it's like, oh you guys are so cute. And it's yes. like, okay, like, I, I think my husband's cute, but thank you. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's a genuine sense of, like, I do want to show that, like, on the other side of this, that you are just a couple and that you can be happy and have a life together. And it doesn't need to constantly revolve around making my husband more brown. Right. You know, have, I, if 100%. anything, I share. Yes, people love the wedding pictures. People love that kind of stuff. And it definitely gets the, at least algorithm-wise, the most attention. But if my goal is to show you that there's something beyond this, then I have to just show you that we just do regular life together. And so I do try to some extent to share a little bit of it while being very conscious of like my husband not wanting to be on socials. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like a fine line. But sometimes I think because it's a lot of just clout chasing and attention seeking, but there's no... There's no real substance behind any of it. Right. Because you, you're you not really like serving a purpose. No, not at all. And I had this conversation with a, a good friend who I made through Instagram recently. And um, he was even basically saying like he made a post about it, about how your partner does not have to become more of your culture. Like you have to respect that they were their own person, which could be even said across the board for relationships in general, where the person like stop trying to mold yeah. somebody right to become something that you want right them to be. like you have to just accept them as they are like yeah. my husband is american and yes. he says it like he doesn't go around being like oh i'm italian and ukrainian he has a little bit of that in him of course that's where his grandparents are from they speak the language all of it yeah. but to him he is as american as it comes right. and i'm not gonna make him more brown just to make people comfortable Mm -hmm. yes i appreciate my husband has always participated in everything he comes to all the religious things and all the holidays he participates he spends time with my family he's a great guy but i am not sitting here being like we need to erase part of you to be more palatable for my family especially because like you said they have their own culture. They have their own identity. And it's a two-way street. And I say it all right. the time. Like, if you are not willing to do the same thing for them if they ask, you don't get to ask them to do it. You don't get to be like, oh, why don't you learn my language if you wouldn't be lear- willing to learn a language for them. And this goes with converting. And I know people get pissed about it, especially because, like, you know, in Hinduism, there's not really a converting conversion, yeah. s- conversion ceremony or anything. Right. But it's like, if you aren't willing to convert for them, why are you asking them to do that for you? Right. That was a big topic of conversation, too, that I had with that same friend. And going back to what you said, I also like to just share the normal couple things. And, of course, that is stuff that people want to see 
It does well, right? Because people like to see cute couples because it makes them have hope that, you know, they could have a nice, healthy relationship or whatever, do cute things with their partners. I really just wanted to normalize. And this is why Sam and I have our own podcast and we just came back from like a really long hiatus. We talk about normal things in relationships. Like, okay, we've been in couples therapy, right? We're talking about how we're working through our issues. We're talking about how each of us might bring baggage to the table. Not very not necessarily specific to brown girl stuff, right? I just might have things that I'm working through that even Sally down the street who lives in Arkansas might have also dealt with, who might also bring to the table. So we just try to talk about that kind of stuff and just, you know, trying to build something together as a couple and like how marriage has been for us, even more so outside of the, just the fixation on the cultural aspect of it. Absolutely. And what I love about your sort of whole vibe is like you're just trying to build a life together and it's not this kind of constant obsession with like how brown can we make it how do we preserve the culture how do we keep bringing this brownness into our lives and it's great and you are more than welcome to do those things but like that's like you said not everyday life that's not real relationships I was never, I was, I was born in America, right? Let's just put that out there. So yeah, I was very proud of where my parents came from. Yes, we grew up. I spoke, I, I speak Urdu fluently more. People get surprised that I speak it as well as I do. I was really invested in a lot of the things that my parents taught me. But at the same time, I wasn't wearing traditional clothing every day. I was not, people are like, oh, you, if they follow along on my stories, you don't eat Pakistani food every day. No. Cause I'm trying to live. <laughs> long yeah. and healthy. And what? I love, I love, love my food. Like I, you know, I try to make things here and there. Sam, Sam loves the food. He's tried it. It's a little spicy for him, but um, I'm not eating like that every day. So then there's that constant battle, right? We're not with you internally because you already worked through this shit, but other people, because they're discovering you and they want you to fit into their version of what they feel should be a Brown girl who's done X, Y, and Z. And so it's like, no, I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to do the best that I can every day. And my whole thing is as proud as I am to be where I'm from. My whole life and my day-to-day is not planned around the fact, like, I don't get up out of bed and go, what would a Pakistani girl do today? No, that's not how my life is. Like, Yeah, I don't think that's that's ever been my life. That wasn't even my life before Michael. Mm -hmm. Um, And even, yeah, like you said, the food thing, that's always interesting, right? Because I do get that. It's like... Even my family's like, oh, do you make Indian food at home? And I'm like, sometimes, but like not really. Yeah. I'm like, my husband enjoys Indian food, but he's also like a former personal trainer who wants to do triathlons and all this stuff. And so he's very like regimented in like what he eats and how he eats and when he eats. And, you know, sometimes I have to tell my mom, like when we go visit and hang out, I'm like, mom, please don't make a whole spread. Like, Michael doesn't want to be rude, so, like, he will eat everything and he'll be nice and all that. But, like, you know, he does sometimes feel like – he's like, I don't want to be rude to them, but, like, I don't want to eat right now and I don't right. want to eat Indian food either. Right. And I know people will be like, oh, but Indian food is healthy. I'm like, actually, I don't want to get into that debate right now, <laughs> but we're going to leave it there. And, and, like, I'm just not going to make my husband feel like he has to always, like, eat everything my mom makes because, like, he does have his routine and he does have right. his, this is what I do. Like, not going to throw a wrench in it. I'm like, we can hang out with my mom and we can visit her. But I literally, I'd be like, mom, don't make the whole spread. Don't 
force Michael to like eat everything right now. Like you know that this kid has his thing going, and that, and they've come to just be like, okay, we get it. You but in the know. beginning, they were like, is he mad? Does he not like us? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, that's not what it is. I love, first of all, I love that about Michael because I have so much respect for people who um, practice that type of discipline, especially when it comes to their overall well-being and they're pushing themselves to do things. I just had to throw that out there. Sometimes it's annoying, but you know. Oh, I can imagine. I grew up with my- I, I can't take him anywhere. I have an older brother who's a professional athlete. So I've, I've been in those spaces where I understand like he'd be like dragging me to the gym at like three o'clock in the morning, but I digress. Um, it's funny because if other people heard that, they'd be like, no, that's rude because you just have to do it because it's a basic thing and it's offensive. And it's like, no, yep, we're allowed to bend the, excuse us. We're going to bend these rules a little bit, just a little bit. He's going to be who he is and everyone's going to be okay at the end of it. Right. No like it's gonna- not, we don't have to make this about being brown. We don't have to make it because like you said, right, it's like, oh, well, in our culture, like people offer you food and it's our love language and it's our culture and it's disrespectful to say no and blah, blah. I'm like, how about this is his culture and his lifestyle choice and how about we respect that and still and still manage to maintain a healthy relationship with your in-laws. Right. Shocking. Right. Which I don't have, but we'll, you know, that's another episode for another day. We'll get into that. But even with in-laws, like people, to some extent, they almost want to hear because that's the one thing I don't know about you, but I get a lot. It's like, oh, what's it like with your in-laws? I'm like, and for me, I have a great relationship with my in-laws and everyone is like, they're like, yeah, but like, don't you ever argue? And I'm like, sometimes. And then we let it go because we're adults. And I'm like, this is a brown people thing. This is where you guys hold grudges forever literally our parents held grudges for their entire lives until the day that person died because they did like one stupid thing to offend them and i'm like yeah we don't do that like yeah i i disagree with my in-laws about things or my brother-in-law and we've had our debates but it's not going to be like we're going to cut off the relationship we're going to end it here we're never going to talk to them again it's like no we can just like get over it and then we talk about it like adults and then we never bring it up again we let it go we leave it there which is a shocking concept for some people no but you know what's funny i um i have to play like devil's advocate on the other hand because i actually my my husband does not have a relationship with his family either which is a like a super long story but if anybody is listening that's following me or knows me (laughs) they've kind of been present for a little bit of it unfortunately because it just became this whole ugly thing that seeped online and it was dragged online and it was really embarrassing but um I'd say that to say, I often get the DMs where people think I'm not going to marry Brown because um, I want to have in-laws that are X, Y, and Z. And I always often tell people, look, um, I'm sorry to break it to you, but everybody has issues. It's not even just a Brown person. Yeah. I don't have a relationship. I don't have a relationship with my in-laws today, unfortunately. And it is what it is. And so for anybody listening, yeah, so Sam and I are basically, it's just us. We don't have people from his side. We don't have people from my side, except for my dad. Um, I, just, I do speak to my father and my little brother. But guess what? That also doesn't define us. We still survive. We still get through. Our marriage is us too. It's not other people. And yeah, do I wish things could have been different? Absolutely. Have we talked about how we wish things could have been different? Absolutely. But at the same time, we still move forward. And that's the other thing that I feel like our culture emphasizes 
is, look, I get it. I love that the importance of family is prioritized, but can we prioritize healthy family relationships and not just having to take what's given to us just for the sake of what's given to us? Because I'm kind of past that. At 34, like, I'm not going to do 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 with people and like do half dances with people at this point in life. Just kind of over that. Mm-hmm, but I, for I sure. but I love that you said that because you can, you should be able to have adult conversations and drop it and move forward. That's ideal. That's how most people coexist in the world. So exactly. yeah, that's important. Yeah. And like you said, you don't know what you're going to get if you marry someone not brown. No. You Because not everyone has a great relationship with no. their in-laws. And I'm not saying mine is perfect, but I think what makes it work is that we can be adults, which is where I, I think that. sometimes South Asians especially can struggle because our culture is so cut and dry right. about like family and, you know, this to some extent for me i don't i don't like this like trend of like just because you're setting boundaries that if someone were to disrespect them or even cross them that you, they should be immediately cut out like we're just going to take a pair of scissors and break every tie and relationship we have or just because you disagree with someone right like i feel like what comes up a lot is like differences in politics or someone said something because they didn't understand about your religion or your culture you got called out on it that they're toxic and they need to be cut out i'm like why don't we learn how to have adult differences with people because i think there's this automatic like everyone is racist or everyone that's not your culture that doesn't get it is a bad person and they're disrespecting you or on your own side on your south asian side of your family that anyone who disrespects your boundaries immediately deserves to be cut off. And I'm like, our relationships and our connections are what make life worth living and make our lives better most of the time. And you, this inability to accept the imperfections in others is we can't seem to work through it. Like it seems too cut and dry. Because of course, if someone is really, negatively impacting your life of course right if your parents choose to disown you that's a choice they made right but at the same time sometimes i think that method of cutting people out is almost like used constantly so we never have to disagree with someone or feel discomfort that it's just easier to cut everyone out and i'm like what does that leave you with right no, a hundred percent. And like you said, though, like there's the, ext- we should know the difference between what's an extreme case and what's a, oh, you just didn't like what I wore today. Well, F you mom, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like there's a difference between that and people who are truly disrupting your peace when you're just trying to live your life on a day-to-day basis. Like if somebody's consistently causing drama in your life, that's a different story. And then it's always for me in my head, I think it's the worst case scenario should be to cut somebody off. Like that would have never been my first choice to ever do because I grew up and I loved the concept of family. And in my mind, I always thought that I'd be close to people and certain people. And then I would build upon certain relationships and, you know, um, life doesn't always go that way, but it's like you said, it's, um, can we work through our differences if we can't? Cause oftentimes you can't force the other people to meet you halfway. Then that's a different story versus, well, no, I just don't want to talk to you because, you know, you came into my house and you rearranged my dishes or something yeah. crazy like and that. Part of it is like they 
a lot of people, especially online, will push it as like, well, you're just protecting your boundaries. I'm like, or we're breaking through like these toxic cycles. I'm like, actually, you're just carrying them on because you're doing what our parents did to us, right? That like conditional love where it's like my house, my rules. If you don't want to live like this, get out. If you do something wrong, the automatic answer was get out of my house. Or get lost. We don't have to talk to you. You don't have to be a part of this family. That con- And that narrative was used a lot. It was for even minor things. Like, oh, you don't want to eat what we made? Get out of this house. Yeah. And I'm like, you're not breaking the cycle. You're continuing it. It's so funny. As you're saying that, like, certain examples are popping into my head. Because, um, so I have, I'm one of four siblings. I'm estranged for, from two of my siblings. But I have this relationship with my younger brother and it's been a very like multifaceted, multi-layered relationship over the years. And my husband has actually been a huge component in helping us to maintain like our relationship and be in each other's lives. And he's done so by literally saying to like what you were just saying, like, hey, we don't have to agree all the time, but we also don't need to do this and we don't need to cut each other off. And I'm so grateful. Like I think about it almost like a few times a week and I go, Thank God, because what my little brother and I were taught and what was modeled to us was just so much like dysfunction around trauma and then having older siblings that don't talk to me and a sibling that doesn't talk to him. And I'm so grateful because my husband comes in, he's logical. He's like, look, we don't need to keep cutting people off. It's like not, you know, what is that going to serve? Especially in this relationship. He always said, he's like, I think we could fix this relationship. I love the bond that you and your younger brother have. And I think that we could make it a healthy one. And so he like really came in and he helped us set like certain rules in place that work for us. And so we're able to get on the phone and laugh. We're able to just be cracking up. He's able to come visit. We're able to get together without it having to be this whole like, hey, F you, remember what you did to me? Remember how you said this messed up thing? Or remember when I did this to you? And I really appreciate that. I truly do. Because I didn't know. Like we'd gone on and off for like not talking for years. And I really just didn't know if it was even something that was possible to fix. And I was just grateful to have like an outside person's perspective who comes from a different background than us, who isn't about, you know, that type of life right away mm-hmm. or conditional love, like you said. And yeah, so that's been, um, it's been really nice because I, I think I've, I think about it all the time. Thank God. Cause I enjoy having my brother in my life. It's nice to have someone yeah. you can joke with who understands you, you know? So yeah. Yeah. And also, like, accepting that people are imperfect Mm -hmm. and accepting them with those imperfections. Like, you know, we always, like, make fun of in our – my girlfriend's group. Like, we're all very different and we all have, like, things – like, we all get along really well, but there's also things we really can't deal with about each other, but not enough for us to ever be like, we're not going to be friends with this person. You know, everyone goes through their stuff. Everyone changes over time. Everyone is growing and adjusting and – we make space for each other to be like that and to have our imperfect moments. And there is no judgment in that group. And because I always think about like one thing I have noticed and sometimes it, is, it almost like comes up because like my DMs will always every now and then you get those people who need someone to talk to and that's totally fine. Yeah. But it almost feels like they don't have anyone else in their life to talk to and it does I get like for me it's like I'm going through what you or I already went through what you're going through so you feel like we can relate in a way that your friends maybe can't but I also feel like there is this kind of weird thing where a lot of South Asian women don't have real girlfriends 
Okay, they so don't have real, genuine friendships. I'll be I'll be the first one to admit I struggled with that, um, but it wasn't intentional. But I also didn't have a good relationship with my mother, and I've realized through therapy that that's where a lot of that stemmed from. So I've had to learn to become somebody who's not judgmental and who's okay with people in my space who are different than me in the sense of so. I've been like pursuing my dreams since I was like 17. Like I moved out at 19, which is unheard of, obviously in our culture, especially coming from a Muslim household. And so I, I'm also just very like, in, in like crazy focused when it comes to things. Like when I set my mind to something, like I don't think about anything else. So it was another reason why it was also complicated for me to have these type of friendships because there was very few people around me that understood, Oh, what? You're quitting a corporate job that pays really well to go pursue your dreams of being an actress? Who does that? Oh, what? Like you want to move thousands of miles away and you don't even know if anything is waiting for you out there? Who does that? So I've struggled. I want to be the first one to say like, I definitely have struggled. But at 34, I'm also like realizing I'm so introverted. I really don't, I like being alone. Like that's just my personality. I enjoy it. I have a handful of friends that I can trust. But when I was going through this stuff, like you mentioned, you get these DMs. I didn't have anybody to turn to. And look, I'm glad that more women have people like us and we're out there and they can see it and be like, she reminds me of me. Let me reach out to her. I'm so grateful for that. But the truth is like, you know how they say like, well, who, who helped you or who did you turn to? I helped me. I didn't have anybody to talk to about this. Nobody. Like, and when I mean nobody, I mean nobody. And it's crazy because I was close to my older siblings at different stages in life. But by that time we had already had our falling out. They had, you know, moved away from our relationships. I didn't have anybody to talk to even like, and I'm not bragging on that. I'm saying if you do have people learn to put aside the differences and lean on your support group, if you have people do it, it'll definitely help. But like, even when like Sam and I got married, there was nobody there. We got married in our apartment. It was just us and our dog. And I'm okay with that at 34. I really truly am. That's not for everybody. It doesn't have to be for everybody. That's just my experience. And whereas I know that would have broken a lot of people, it did break me. I was like, okay, this is this is the choices I've made. This is my decision. I'm not marrying him to impress other people. This is for us to build upon. And it is what it is. And as I went through that and I went through the feels of what that meant, because I know no little girl imagines that or whatever it is, I just worked on it. I, I depended on me. I leaned on me to figure that stuff out. So I just wanted to say, I have been one of those people that struggle because I've even had a therapist say, Natasha, I want more girlfriends for you. Like I want you to have, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, if I meet people, I'm open to that. And I have, I've made some, in the last couple of years, I've strengthened friendships that I've had in bonds. I have also a lot of guy friends, which I also depend on. Like I lean on them for support. And then I've made about two, two really good friends through Instagram that I have met in real life. And it's been such a nice change to have girlfriends in that way where one in particular, like, gosh, I don't even know what life would be like if I, if we didn't talk, cause she's just been such a beautiful addition to my life. And I work, I'm working through, I remember telling her, I said early on in our friendship, I said, Hey, I really hope I don't fuck this up because I'm not good at this. And yeah. she was like, she was, she held space for me. She continues to hold space for me. And it's just been a really beautiful sisterhood. So I just had to share that to say, like, I've been there where I wasn't taught. I didn't, I didn't really see my mom have friendships growing up. Like she had them, but then 
you'd see her like talking bad about people behind their backs and stuff like that. And that was the norm. And how do you build mm-hmm. authentic relationships off of that kind of, yeah. you know? And th- and that's what I mean, right? Like for me, and I've always said it, is like focus on having girlfriends. Don't worry about finding a guy. That Like the guys will come and go and that's all good and well. But like the ability to have friendships like that is something that I think so many South Asian women struggle with. Because like you said, we don't have great relationships with our moms. Mm-hmm. but we And we also saw our moms talk shit about people behind their back and then told us that that's what other people do. Even, our, even aunties, yeah. all right. the women, right? We, yeah. we go to places, that's just what they did. And when I was in high school and I saw like the cliques of the brown girls that I like very much was not a part of, yeah. I would see them do that. And that's when I felt like I needed to distance myself a little bit from our own culture because I was like, I just want to have friends and like you all pretend to be friends Mm -hmm. and then you all talk shit about each other. Or my favorite was if a girl started dating someone, you would start kind of trying to like somehow backhandedly manipulating that situation or like they were in the same friend group, but like the guy would then cheat on his girlfriend with another girl in that group. Like just toxic bullshit like that and so for me i think it it's such a crux of the issue Mm -hmm. where when you don't know how to have genuine friendships with people and actually know what it is to be a friend even when maybe your friend isn't in the best place or not always relatable like you know my friends most of them are not south asian and so when i was going through everything with mike it was hard to talk to them about this stuff because they didn't really get it yeah. And so I very much felt alone in that. But at the same time, there's that immigrant part of me that is so single, singularly focused, so hardworking, so resilient, so gritty. And then I have friends that are not like that at all. They grew up in a very privileged world. They don't have to think about, you know, financial planning. They don't have to think about, you know, wh- all of those things because they're not in that position. But that doesn't mean I can't be friends with them. Yeah. That they can't be my best friends in the world. And I'm I'm so grateful for that ability to have had friends like that. Mm-hmm. Because I wish more brown girls had a genuine friend group. Because I I would sometimes see these girls and they'll be I'm like, why don't you talk to your friends about this? What did they say? Like you have all these brown friends. And they're like, no, I don't like I don't trust them to tell them something like this. It's mm, like they w- they would be super judgy or like I don't really trust them. And I'm like, so how are they your friends? Do you not understand what a friendship is? And I realized as I got older, I'm like, oh, no, you don't. Yeah. Like you don't you don't know what it is. That's so sad. And that really breaks my heart because <laughs> I'm so like of the militant mindset. I'm so like the weirdo who's just like, oh, OK, well, I'll just figure it out. I got this. I don't need nobody. Like I'm going to do this on my own. But it breaks my heart because I've always said I'd rather be alone than have people around me who I can't feel safe with or I can't trust. And I feel for those women because why? But I get it. That's probably just their outlet, right? Them being from a strict household or whatever, that's the only way they can have an outlet, even if it's people that they can't truly trust. But what ends up happening is those are characteristics that then you build upon and then you enter relationships not ready. And that stuff seeps Mm -hmm. over into your relationships. And yeah. That sucks. Like that sucks so bad because it's like you said, right? It is important to have those friendships. Like I love how you encourage that. 
for somebody like me who was like, I just was so busy and I was trying to pursue something and I didn't have time and I didn't meet people. And I'm not going to lie. Let's just, let's just be real. I had trust issues. I don't trust. I, I still like don't trust a lot of people. And I'm not embarrassed about that. Like I joke, I'm like, I don't care if it's a trauma response. Like I'm not, I'm not like crumbling without X, Y, and Z amount of people around me. I'm fine by myself. Like if I'm not with Sam often and I see my friends every so often, you know, a lot of my friends don't even live near me. I'm by myself, but I'm okay with that. But you have to, you have to strengthen certain things before you enter these relationships. And if you don't, you're in for a rude awakening because you might not always have a patient partner who's willing to sit there and wait for you to figure that shit out. And that's just the Mm -hmm. unfortunate reality. And then it just backfires and hurts you. And a lot of us don't have parents that teach us these things from an early age. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like the girlfriends are so important because if you know what a healthy friendship or a relationship with another person doesn't have to be romantic looks like, then like you said, then you're not going to try that into your life. And you have people that will help you figure those things out. And I think to some extent with my girlfriends and why I value them so much is because they almost can't relate to so much of the immigrant side of my life. I mean, some of them can, but still not to the extent to which of the things I've been through, they didn't let me turn it into my identity, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't become mm-hmm. the thing that I perseverated on all the time because they're like, keep it moving, girlfriend, one foot in front of the other. Like, it's fine. We don't get it. Just keep going. Like, we don't need to drown in it, mm-hmm. you know? And That's so, important. Yeah, because sometimes it's almost like if you have – they were always empathetic. They were always yeah. – you know, understanding and willing to be there. And like you being as singularly focused as I am, I'm sometimes the friend who falls off the grid a little bit because Disha's podcasting, Disha's working, Disha's this. But they know that. And they're like, they check in, they do their thing. And it takes work. I think more than anything, it has showed me that relationships take work, that we can disagree, we can have a couple weeks where we don't talk but that means someone that it's not it's not 50 50 right like one of our friends doesn't live nearby she lives in another state if you want to maintain that relationship someone's got to show up someone's got to get in that car and drive right you know or send the text message or facetime without a warning and be like hey how's it going bitch like these relationships take work and as soon as they become hard it's not a reason to throw it out and or think- blame that person for like, oh, well, they didn't reach out. I'm like, sweetie, this is getting you nowhere fast. <laughs> I love that you're saying that because I'm nodding along because these were things that were not taught to me at an early age. And I come to learn them now. Um, it's I've learned a lot through Sam because my husband has had, he has childhood friends from when they were really little and they're still friends and they don't talk every day. I mean, of course, they're also guys. I know guys can be different than us, but it's so nice. Like his best friend who he he talks about often, I'd never met him, didn't know him. He got married. And of course, without like a doubt, Sam was his best man. And so it's like, oh, okay. You know, um, we were struggling financially at the time. And his best friend was like, you need to be at my wedding. I'm going to send a ticket for you. You know what I mean? So these type of things, like that really shows, hey, somebody cares. I also care about you. And even though we don't have to be all up in each other's business 24-7, which I've learned through witnessing their friendship, 
doesn't mean that we love each other any less or that we know each other any less or that, you know, our friendship matters any less. And for me, I, um, I had an older sibling who was eight years older than me and I grew up very close to him and he was the only one who supported my acting dreams and he was literally my best friend and I had him and he was very much like, Hey, we're not going to let anything bad that happens to us define us. We're going to persevere. I remember he was the reason that I even ended up in LA. He put me in a car with a little bit of money, fought against my parents' wishes. Like she's not getting an arranged marriage. She's not doing what you want from her, like expect from her. And she's going to go make her dreams come true. And that was probably all the relationship that I needed, to be honest with you. And the unfortunate thing is that whole Daisy thing seeped in the conditionality of relationships, which sucked because you never could have told me. And my brother and I ended up not even speaking. Like I have no idea where my brother is today. I have no idea like where he lives, his number, nothing. But it's crazy how much that stuff comes back. Even when you could be so different and you're trying so hard to do something that's out of the norm of what's been expected of you. But that shit, if I'm being honest, this shit broke me for a few years because that was also the the start of, I trust people less and less because if my own blood can just up and be like, no, I don't fuck with you anymore. How could I trust people that weren't blood, right? But that's definitely been something that I've had to work through and um, learn to be okay with leaning on others for help because I'd always be that person that wouldn't say shit. I would just struggle silently and figure it out and just be okay with letting people in, people that I know, hey, this is a safe space. You know what I mean? Like, this is cool. We can talk about this and there's no judgment here. Because that's the other big thing, like you mentioned, that happens so often in our culture. There's a lot of judgment going on. So people don't feel like they can just put their burdens down and be themselves in front of others. Mm -hmm. And like, do you feel like because like you said, you have a really hard time building trust with people Mm -hmm. and these relationships that like, if for whatever reason, maybe once this person faltered, Maybe they said they'll do something for you and then they ended up not doing it for you. That your reaction is like way more like upset and hurt and you feel like this now trust is forever broken because of this one minor misdemeanor than if maybe you did have an easier time finding people because it's so hard for you. A hundred percent. And it was also because I'm like, my trauma response was to be like over the top, extremely loyal. Like I build purpose around for years, not so much now feeling like I had to save people. So if you needed me, I'd be there at the drop of a hat. And when other people didn't always show up in the same way for me, I was like, well, I don't need you then. I, I'm good. Like I, I didn't need this yeah. friendship to be like with. almost like needing people as a weakness, like feeling like I was, if you count I was raised on someone. to believe that. I was raised to believe that my, my older brother that I mentioned was so militant so militant that I was raised to believe that, to be honest with you, which is why there was good and bad, right? As you get older, you're like, wait, I could have done without that. But then other aspects are, I'm not going to lie. It helps strengthen me as a Pakistani woman. When people come to me and they're like, how could you have the courage to do this? How could you? Probably if it wasn't for my older brother and saying, this is a weakness, this is not, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to do a lot of the things that I do. So it was like a catch 22 in a way, right? Where it's like, yeah, there was a lot of good, but there was also a lot of bad that I'm still working through. <laughs> and But that, that's the thing though, right? Is acknowledging that 
our brownness and our immigrant experience is exactly that, right? There's a lot of mm -hmm. good things that came out of it, right? We yeah. Most of us are still, whether you can have trusting relationships with people or not, most of us are extremely self-reliant because mm -hmm. our parents were, right? They got through everything on their own. They figured it out. They came here with nothing. But then there's also the really shitty parts that came with that because that also now makes you hyper-independent and you can't rely on anyone and you don't trust people to be there for you. And mm -hmm you don't know how to, you know, lean on other people without either feeling bad about it or feeling like that's the wrong move because then you risk that person letting you down. Right. And if you just took control in your own hands, then that wouldn't happen. Right. No, 100%. That's like both of it, both sides. And I think sometimes you see a lot of people perseverating on the bad, but ignoring that like there are benefits that came with that. Which is why I use that relationship with my older brother as an example, because um, it's easy for me to sit there and pout and be like, oh, he did me wrong. And then he abandoned me and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have friendships because he was like, you need to go to acting classes if you're going to do this. You need to be in the gym. You need to be strengthening this and that. But I don't look at it that way. I try to say, hey, yeah, there were some fucked up parts. But hey, let me focus on the good, not to shit on or make excuses or passes for the things that might have been traumatic. Work through that. But what did the other parts do for me? How is the person that's sitting in front of me today when I look in the mirror, how am I proud of that person? And what parts of that were taught to me at an early age? Because um, I am so proud of my ability to not let other people make decisions for me. That's one of the biggest things mm -hmm. because we are not taught that. And had I not had that that complicated relationship with that older brother of mine, I wouldn't probably have the fucking balls to sit in front of you today and be like, I don't give a shit who does or doesn't accept the man that's sleeping in the next room. I fucking accept him. I don't give a shit who thinks it's okay for me to talk about what I'm going to talk about later on my podcast or social media. I fucking think it's okay. And a lot of that is like you said. I don't want to sit there and cry and just focus on the bad. I want to look at what did I have that was good that came out of these relationships and this situations that I was put in. Mm -hmm. And it almost feels like we need like, because we were raised on such extremes mm -hmm. of like mindsets and ways of making decisions and treating people in your life and whatever, that the counter to that, to try to fix and mitigate for it is just as extreme. A hundred percent. And, because, you know, like a lot of people will be like, oh, like cutting people out all the time, like that's the wrong move. Like you need more nuance in that. Yeah, right. That's what I was saying before. But it's like we were raised in such a poor self-worth end of the spectrum that we say, oh, we're going to cut people out left and right. But the reality is most brown girls are going to – you'll be lucky if they cut one person out of their life. And there's probably three or four they need to do that too. Right. And so – Right. It's like two extremes right. like there's and you're like, well, I guess we're just fucked in all directions. I don't know. But like, that's how it feels because you're like, I want to be the level headed, you know, middle ground person who can think through things logically at all times. But then you're weighed down by all this like self-worth shit on one side and like all the other toxic crap that we've gone through on this show. And you're like, what do I do with this? What the fuck? Well, and that's just, can we talk about that for a second? Like I was one of those people for years that was like so invested in, oh, I want to read this self-care book. I want to read this self-help book. I want to read this. I'm going to try this practice because so-and-so said, 
I feel like it's become like a billion dollar business now where everybody it thinks is. that if, if you're not constantly reading some type of self-help book or you're not constantly doing something that you're doing it wrong and you're just going to fail. And I found like my balance and my middle ground of, I don't want to keep revisiting self-help books. Like I just really don't. I want to just go out there. I think I got enough tools at this point. Let me just go out there and actually live life and do the best I can because you'll just be sitting up in a corner in your house, like <laughs> metaphorically, like trembling, like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess this up. I have to be perfect. I have to do this. I'm healed. I'm not healed. This happened to me. My mom said this, da, 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 da. like you're going to explode one day. Your head is just going to like literally explode off of your shoulders. Yeah. And it's so marketed to us now too. Like you said, like we go from one extreme to the other and we don't realize there's no right or wrong answer nobody's yeah. going to be able to tell you what is going to work perfectly for you. Now, I'm not saying don't invest in yourself and try to, you know, get some external help if you struggle in certain areas, but don't spend the rest of your life trying to chase the whole concept of self-help and think that you are broken or you're messed up in some way. Go out there and experience life. Just do it. Make yeah. mistakes. Right. Like you have to give yourself room to just be like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be a good person every day. You could just be like an average person. But no, I mean, and that's the thing. It's okay. It's totally okay. I, I can relate to what you're saying so much because because of the fucked up shit that I went through growing up, I created purpose around thinking I had to be like the best person ever in the sense of years ago. And I, I'm going to I'm going to watch these space for this. So that I was like vegan and I thought I was doing something for the world. I thought, I thought, Oh, you know what? I love everybody. I'm out here doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm out here at volunteering for this. I'm flying over here to volunteer for this. And I didn't even know it at the time that I was creating purpose around thinking that I was somehow being a savior or being like an extra good person. And I swear to God, it took like, <laughs> It took like me having to meet Sam where Sam, Sam is not a bad person, but Sam is not going to do anything that he doesn't want to do. And Sam is absolutely not going to do anything that takes away from, like he basically doesn't give a fuck in a lot of ways where people will think he's an asshole, but Sam really does not give a shit. Like, and I've had pieces of that throughout my life, but like, he's the type of guy where we were in an elevator one day and he's probably going to be like, why did you have to tell that story? But I'm going to tell it. So we we're in an elevator one day and we just came out of like some show. And so other people are in the elevator with us and this older lady starts talking to us and she's like, just making small talk and like making a joke. And Sam literally just looks at her and he's like, and he like looks back and doesn't say a word and we get out. I'm like, why do you have to be like that? He's like, I don't feel like talking. I shouldn't have to. And I thought he was so mean for that. And then later on as years went by, I'm like, that's his right. Like, if he didn't want to say shit to this lady and make small talk, why should he? Like, why should he have to? And because <laughs> somebody thinks you're an asshole for that, like, you don't have to do anything. Like, why? Why do we feel like we have to, to be labeled a good person? Yeah. And trust me, I have lots of unpopular opinions and things that people would think make me a bad person, and I just don't care. But see, those are the things, too. Like, why do other people have to... And I think that they're probably suffering from the syndrome that I used to, where they somehow think that if they judge you, they're a better person for it. Like they go oh, home yeah. and they're like, I told her. And then they go to sleep at night, like feeling so much better. Like, no, bitch, you but, really didn't. But you know shit. what it is? You know what it is? I think it bothers people when you can externally show that, like, you just are who you are. Cause most people, like you said, are trying to be a good person. 
but they're not really trying. They want you to think, think they're a good they're person. Do they have an iPhone? Because can we talk about the damage that probably did? Uh, well, that's what I mean, right? Like everyone right. is virtue signaling. Everyone right. wants you to think they're a good person, but there's no, no, everyone's like, oh, like I care about all these humanitarian things. Mind you, they haven't once donated a penny or time to help these causes. No. And I don't post any of that on social, but I actually do go out and like, if there's something I care about, go out and volunteer my time or right. donate my money and whatever without seeking Validation. an external high five for, oh, yeah. Disha, you're a good person. Oh, no, 100%. So two things. I do want to tell you a, a real quick story because as you're talking, you reminded me. I used to have this follower years ago and she was a sweetheart. Like she would message me. She said that my re- content was relatable. She was, she was they see as well. Then one day she started to try and lecture me because I was drinking milk. And she tried to say something about, you know, milk is really bad for you and blah, 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 and you shouldn't be drinking milk. So um, I, I forget exactly how the conversation initially went, but I remember saying to her, I was like, yeah, I was vegan for like six years. I'm, I'm aware of a lot of things. Why'd you, so that was a mistake. Why, why'd you stop being vegan? Wrong move. Right. Why'd you stop being vegan? Because when my, I went to go get all these tests done and my test came back clear and veganism is the best. And I said, you know, it just wasn't working out for me if I'm being honest, um, but I don't like to talk about my personal health issues with somebody I don't really know. So then one day I post something and I guess, oh God, she must've seen my trash can all the way in the back. And I didn't separate my recyclables from like regular trash. And of course here she comes. So I just can't help but think like, so do you not recycle? And I said, oh, I was waiting for somebody to come. I said, here we go, you know, and it turned into this whole long thing. And eventually I, um, I unfollowed her because I was like, wait, why? No, we're not doing this right? We're totally not doing this. Cause then she tried to say something about a car one day and the emissions. I'm like, I drive a fucking hybrid, like get the fuck out of here. Right. Unless you want to buy me an electric, it's not going to get better than this right now. So yeah, I unfollowed her ass one day and then, um, she still, she unfollowed me. I noticed one day, whatever, forgot about her. Then one day recently she's creeping my stories. I'm still a meat eating, milk drinking, you know, polluting the universe type as bitch, you're not going to find anything new here. So you might as well just move forward with your life. You know, like it's not, it's not about to be a thing. So there's that. And then the second thing I wanted to tell you was when you said like people virtue signal and then they want like external validation, like, look at me, I'm a good person. Um, That was also something I learned the hard way. Like when I'd be like going out to like support animal rights stuff years ago, and then all this stuff started happening more in heightened ways with the black lives matter shit and like, you know, the killings and stuff. And then every, you see the same people who are like, don't you dare hurt a chicken. But they were like silent when they see black people getting killed right in front of them. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm good. Like on all of this shit, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm not going to expect anything from anybody else. And this is, and also I don't talk about that shit on my social as well to add to your point, because I don't need nobody to know what I do behind closed doors for who and like, for what. like my opinion doesn't matter that too right like that too doesn't matter what I think yeah this has you know what I mean like and also it's like not everyone has to care about the things you care about because like you I'm a whole milk full fat yogurt me eating piece of shit according to some <laughs> people but I'm like, for my health and my lifestyle and what I know about fitness and nutrition, there is not a chance in hell you're going to convince me that your little soy milk fucking acai bowl bullshit is going to work. I'm like, God bless. Because y'all probably ate McDonald's every day before that. So this is probably the lowest calorie meal you've ever had. However, 
like every like just let people live. We're like going so off topic here, but like just let people live. No, but can we say how a lot of this can also be we'll come back. Can a lot of this can be rooted in growing up Daisy because everybody thinks it's their job to tell other people what they need to be doing. Like, can we just talk about that? Oh yeah. Can we learn to mind our own business? Like, can we just learn to mind our own fucking business? And as I grow on social, I get a lot of those people and I'm like, I'm not responding to you. I don't know you. Like, why are we taught that it's okay to give your opinion to other people? You pay no bills in my house. None. Yes. You can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong because it works for me. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's how I see it for like everything. And like, we don't have to get into politics because I fucking hate politics. But like- Mm -hmm. Even when people are like, we're going to cut people out because they voted for someone I don't like. And I'm like, sweetie, they don't even know you breathe air. Mm -hmm. Like Trump or Biden or whoever the fuck, you know, whatever politician you want to go off about, girl, like that bitch doesn't know who you are. They don't pay your bills. Your family member here probably does. Right. Or at least makes an impact in your life in your or life. knows that you exist or it will be there for you if you need something. Yeah. But that political candidate doesn't give a flying fuck about you. So yeah. why are you going so hard in the paint for them? Right. You but know, like, that could even be said. This whole, I still get it. This whole Johnny Depp shit that just happened. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't there. I don't really fucking know what happened. So you're not going to see me cape for Johnny Depp either. You're just not. Because I was also there. like, who cares? Like, it was entertaining. You. Like, it was entertaining, but like, like look, we don't if, need an opinion. If there was abuse, there was abuse, it's fucked up. I can't change that. But I'm also not going to, I'm not coming on here and jumping on any bandwagon for any of this shit where I'm going to publicly post what the fuck I think about it. First of all, who cares what I think about it? Right. What do I have to, I, I wasn't in the jury. Who the fuck cares what I think about it? And it's just, to your point, people attaching themselves to things that really don't serve a purpose in their life. It just is what it is. But that's because people have like lost purpose. Right. I feel like that is our society these days feels like we have a crisis of purpose. Yeah. And that's why it sometimes feels like everything is going off the deep end because like you said, so many people have tied purpose to this external thing, right? Them being a vegan or yes. them being an yes. activist yeah. or them being this political party right. or on team Johnny or team Amber. Yeah. This is their identity now. Right. This is the right. purpose they have assigned to an external thing because nowadays – it feels like a lot of people don't have purpose. And so they need to find it. And because we have all of this social media, and if you're on the right team and people from that team find you, you get a lot of validation for that. And when you're someone like me, who quite frankly doesn't think her opinion matters at all, it leaves people are like, well, what do you think about? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I think. And honestly, most of my hot takes are two cents you didn't ask for. And they're usually very surface level and me making like some snarky comment because I do live for the drama as everyone here knows. Like I love a good hot mess to objectively observe from the outside. I'm like, this is great. Like the Twitter Elon thing, it is better than any reality show I've ever watched. (laughs) I don't even have a Twitter account, but I'm like, this is great. This is great. (laughs) Oh my god, I remember seeing you post about that. That's why I'm laughing so hard. 
And I remember like, the it's like my hot take, right? Like nobody needs oh. this hot take. It's not like it's not like this nuanced, like heavily dissected opinion on it. I'm just like, this is hilarious. This is great. Like, no, this dude is like, like he's such a billionaire. Him going shopping is like, I'm gonna buy it app today i'm gonna buy twitter i'm like bitch i think about which apple i should buy at the grocery store and this guy's like which social media account do i buy today right but as to your point i think people do lose sense of purpose and i also think people are misguided into thinking purpose has to be something super duper big like you don't have to be the next um president of like whatever country like that you're trying to cape for you could literally also just find joy in living your everyday life I mean, give that mm-hmm. a try. There's, there's, it's okay. It's really Wait, okay. But you know, usually I feel like those people are not really happy with their own everyday lives. They're not. That's, and that's why they're looking why. They're escaping. They're looking for an escape. That's what yeah. that is. And um, yeah. And like you said, building identity around certain things, going full circle, interracial relationships, building identity around something like that. I've, um, gotten dms where people are like i just wish you lived closer because i just want to build a community where we can raise kids that are biracial that was weird i'm not gonna lie to you no i don't i don't want to be part of your cult like i will be over here raising my kids yeah you please stay over there and it's not even like no disrespect but um i don't even click with some of these people that be sending me these messages like I appreciate you as an online community, but you don't know me in real life. I've had to tell people, I'm like, look, who you think I am, you probably wouldn't even really like her. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, I'm not her. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm, I'm a That's human why being. I have to. I have to remind people, I'm not a good person. Like online, they're like, oh my god, you do all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm still a piece of shit every single morning. I have the alarm goes off, and Geisha still sucks. <laughs> and because you know, it's like. <laughs> I just because like full disclosure, I I intend to start a cult. So if anyone wants to join, you know, for loyalty is all I expect. But just not that kind of cult, you know. <laughs> her, just cult want, like, is, compound. her cult means we're going to the gym to lift some heavy ass weight. Yo, get your gym. ass up, get the fuck after it. Nobody cares. Work harder. Welcome to my cult. Right, right. That's it. Um, and I already signed up. Just so you fucking guys know, I mean, I'll be there. You'll be doing farmer's carries out of bed. Let's go. Let's do it. Do something hard today. This is what I mean, though. Like, this is what makes me a piece of shit. Like, I have such a type A hard-ass personality that's, like, I don't have any time for, like, the pity party. Woe is me. My life is so fucking hard. Like, everyone's life is hard, bitch. That's just life. And quite frankly, if you live in America, your life's not that hard. Your life is not that hard. Your life is just not that hard. Can we talk about that? I could walk over and turn on some water. Go like off. Turning, Go off. Literally, like turning a handle. And I literally tell Sam, I'm like, look, yes, it can be challenging here. But do you know what it's like from where we originate from? Like, can you imagine what they're going through over there? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. And especially, too, can we talk when women do message me and they're, like, fearful of marrying somebody? I always just ask, like, will you be safe? Like, would your family come after you? Like, would they put a hit out? I'm being serious, too. Like, and if yeah. they wouldn't... Because in parts of the world, they would. They would, right. So if they wouldn't, then do your thing. Like, move forward with your life. Just make that leap. Make that jump. But this is why do, you and I get Do the hard things. I don't, I don't like to make excuses. And I, I have compassion for people, but I'm not one for excuses. Because I did it. Disha did it. There's, like, a bunch of us who've done it. And I think that people like to stay stuck in fear. And I fucking get it though because a lot of us are so conditioned 
mm-hmm. and brainwashed. And especially. we were all there. We were all there once. Oh, and, yeah. Right? And that's why we have our platforms because we were there and we didn't have anyone to talk to and we didn't know what it was going to be like. Yeah. And so if anything, when you see content like Natasha's or like mine, it should be motivation to say that this is possible. You're not aiming to do something that hasn't been done before. Yeah. Right? You're not like that dude on Netflix who climbed all like the highest peaks on the planet in like three months. And that's literally never been done before because you could yeah. die. But you know what, Disha? Can we talk about something real quick? Um, I'm more honest now when people reach out and I'll tell them like, this might not be for everybody. I'm not one of those that's like, oh, yeah, everybody can do it. Go ahead and just get disowned. Go ahead and just build this life. Right. I'm honest now. I say if you don't think you can handle this, not everybody's not mentally equipped because you could easily live with regret for the rest of your life or be miserable and then make your partner miserable. And then what type of quality of life is that to live? So I'm just honest. It's not for everybody. It's but a lot not. of people don't want to answer that question. They don't want to hear the answer to that question. Because, you know, I people always be like, oh, but like my partner, like dating this person, I'm like, if are you scared to ask them if they will go through the bullshit with you? Because then you already know the answer and you're scared to ask. Like, Yeah, and that's the other one. If you're not built for it or your partner is not built for it, it's like, oh, well, they're a bad person because they don't want to accept my culture. I'm like, they don't have to. It's your bullshit. No, absolutely. And like, I've had girls message me and say like they, um, their significant others broke up with them because they wouldn't stand up to their parents. And I'm like, that's his right. Why would he want to have children with somebody like you? And that's the truth. And that doesn't mean that you don't deserve compassion, but he doesn't have to sit here and and be there for it because he's allowed to move on with his life. That's absolutely like, you know, then that's that's not the person. That's not the person for you. And lead lead on your friends then, you know, because that's the one thing Sam and I often talk about. He's like, if you'd ever been like that, where I had to worry about you taking up for me against your family or you second guessing this, I wouldn't have been with you. He's like, I knew you weren't that type of person. There wasn't even going to be a thought. It was going to be us and that was going to be it. You weren't going to go back and forth. Like I shouldn't have done this because such and such didn't agree with it. No, this is a choice that I'm making. I'm not going to let anybody else interfere in that. But that's the whole brainwashing thing that I also mentioned that is hard to come up out of for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, even I remember like my mother-in-law before I told my parents about Michael was like, to me and, but mostly to Michael was like, do you really want to go through this? Like, what if her family doesn't accept you? What if her family doesn't want anything to do with you? And, you know, she was like, well, you know, we're here for you. Like, if something happens. But, like, she wasn't sugarcoating it either, right? Like, it's no, her son to protect. Right. It's her child. And right. those are all perfectly valid questions to ask. And it doesn't make her a bad por- person or unsupportive for asking. Not at all. I prefer that people have these type of conversations because at least someone out there who's older is letting you know what you're in for because it's not, it's not going to be, I was going to say it's not going to be an easy road, but no, Sam has this motto that I also say, which is it's going to be as easy as you want to make it. So what are you choosing today? You can't control the next person and how they choose to not show up for you or show up in this space. So when I even like jokingly say like, X, Y, and Z is hard. He'll be like, did you choose to make it hard? Or is that how Mm -hmm. you're just fucking deciding to look at this thing? So yeah, Yeah. I'm glad that she had that conversation with him. Yeah. And like you said, it's a mindset thing. Mm -hmm. It's as hard as you want to make it. It's as miserable as you want to make it. It's 
as complicated as you want to make it. And if you like, I think to some extent, and maybe people get a little peeved by this is I'm like, you don't have to hang on to everything. You know, like you could, you don't have to give your kids Indian sounding names, you could just give them regular American names. You don't have to make sure they speak the language. You don't even have to teach them about your religion. You can. It won't be easy. And you can stress it as much as you want in your life. But remember, it is all a choice. Just like some of our parents moved to the U.S. and changed their names to be more American so that they could get a job interview. What, are you going to trash them for throwing away their culture because they went from Narendra to Nick, my yeah, fuck Mo you, bro. From right, like, Mo. <laughs> yeah, my uncle is Paco from Prakash. Like, oh. that's what you know. And they, they didn't legally change their names, but one of my no. uncles did. He legally changed his name, and it's like everyone chooses their hard, and everyone makes compromises where they want. And it's nobody's job to judge somebody else, but it's also not on you to feel bad about choosing an easier route. No, and I think what I'm, my biggest takeaway from listening to you speak is we need to just stop being so judgmental. We need to focus more on ourselves and our lives and what we need to do. And yeah, and that's, listen, what works for you may not work for the next person and vice versa. So that'll yeah. just make your life easier. Something we're not taught as AC people, focus more on yourself. Stop worrying about what the next person's doing. Yeah, it's like, did your kid get up and go to school today and they didn't hit anybody? Congratulations, you win. Yeah. You made it through another day. You put food on the table. We got to school on time. Like, great. You're doing great. Right. You know, like, because I think the rude awakening that a lot of us in interpersonal relationships are going to come down to is – when we have kids and we have to stop projecting our own insecurities and expectations on them because our parents did it to us. So we don't even have an example of parenting where you just like let your kid live. Cause like what happens when your kid comes home and goes, mommy, I'm American. What are you going to be like? No, you're actually not American. You're also Indian and American. I'm like, what are we going to get into this right now? Yeah. How about you just let your Right. I'm like, they're born here. And so this is the other thing about yeah. generations. So recently, I don't know where I what I was listening to, but they were trying to describe like this whole immigrant experience. And it was like, your parents are first gen. They moved to this country, but they grew up in whatever. We're going to go with India. And second gen is the kids that are born here. Your children are second gen. You are the 1.5 gen where like the those of us who were either born in another country and brought over as babies and raised here or were raised in like that immigrant household here we're that right in the middle and we're the bridge literally connecting those two and that's why we have the hardest time with everything like our lives are always a bit harder and more complicated and we struggle more because our parents grew up in a world where they were accepted, right? They fit in with everyone. Their culture was all around them. They have friends, family. They grew up in a society they understood that made sense to them. Mm-hmm. Our children will also have that here in the U.S. But we are stuck with that dual identity of literally being the bridge connecting those two generations. So you are literally carrying the weight of both while feeling like you don't belong in either one. Yeah. Because let's be honest, if you threw me to India, I'd be like, what the f- 
I don't yeah. know how to do anything. I don't know how to get on a bus and go from point A to point B. I don't know where to get money. I like I can probably buy food and that's about it. Right. But here I fit more in with that. But then culturally I struggle with like I don't have generational wealth here that my parents have in India. I don't have the cultural connections here that my family has back in India. So I also don't have that advantage of being here and feeling like I fit right in. But our kids will have that. Right. And then so we're like, you know, we're Katy Perry's plastic bag floating <laughs> the wind. <laughs> That's where we're at. I mean, it's also like having that conscious awareness that you mentioned, because that's one thing that we do talk about a lot in our home is um, we're going to be raising children that are black and Pakistani, right? Like, what is that experience going to look like for them? What is that going to mean for them to grow up in this part of the world? And we won't know until it happens. They're going to have to go out and go to school and do things and come home and tell us. And then we're going to figure it out as we go along, instead of having these preconceived notions or projecting certain expectations onto them because what their identity and their experience are going to be, it's not going to be the same as ours. So it'll be like a whole different thing of whatever it is that they bring home for us to have to figure out together. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We've been talking for a while. (laughs) We We always, we always (laughs) do this. And so I'm going to wrap it up here. I feel like that was a good point to end it. If people wanted to find you on social media, where could they find you? So I'm at Purpose, P-U-R-P-O-S-E and A-N-D, Chai, C-H-A-I, across the board. And you can find me on YouTube. Um, You can find me on all streaming podcast services, Purpose and Chai Conversations, and on Instagram and all that other good stuff that I can't remember right now. Awesome. Well, I will link all of it in the show notes as per the usual. Thanks for being a guest. It was fun. I can't wait to chat with you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, Disha Mazeppa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazeppa. Music for the show was created by Crexwell. Mm-hmm.